Hello and welcome to our second Zing Learning podcast of the season titled A Conversation With, where we get together with inspiring individuals once a fortnight to chat about what they're doing in their careers and how they're enhancing equality, diversity, inclusion and belonging. We chat about important DNI topics and get practical advice and tips so we can give DNI teams, HR leaders, MDs and CEOs a greater opportunity to create a fairer, more inclusive and more knowledgeable working environment. In this podcast, we are very excited to be joined by the amazing Joanne, who has spent her life working for nonprofits to help create social mobility and is actually now a social mobility coach for the Baytree Centre in South London. We discuss the work her and I do at the Centre, which is a social inclusion charity for women and girls, and what we can do to support organisations like this that give so much to our communities and to women and girls. So grab a cuppa, kick back and enjoy the podcast. Hey Joanne, Uh, we have been working together for some time on a variety of programs for the women at the Baytree Centre where you work full time. So I wanted to talk to you today about the incredible work that the centre does for, for girls and women in Lambeth. Um, including some of the most vulnerable, obviously, in our community as well. I want to talk about the work that you directly do um, and also some of the kind of biggest challenges you think the women that we support actually face on a day-to-day basis. Plus, and, and I know this is asking a lot, but I think some advice on uh, for people looking to see how they can help with supporting the centre or even local community um, centres in their space. Let's start then with your background and um, what kind of led you to the Baytree work? Well Baytree has a special place in my heart. I've known Baytree for about 15 years now um, and that's quite a short time in Baytree's history. Um, I moved to London in 2005 and um, I met up with a friend here. Uh, I moved to I moved to London um, to do an internship. I worked at the um, UNHCR, which is the UN Refugee Agency, for a little, for a few months. And um, I also met up with a friend of mine, Carmen Gonzalez, who is one of the um, dynamos behind Baytree Centre. So she was one of the people who set it up. And in two thousand and five, I came to Baytree to volunteer. I ran a photography project for girls. And then I went away, I got another job, and um, I came back 15 years later to work. Wow. Yeah, I actually, I didn't know that you you did that with the photography piece, so that's quite nice to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, wow. So uh, 15 years kind of volunteering, and then you came for, what was it, the last seven years you said was it 2015 or did I no I've been at Baytree now so I've been working in my current role for a year um before okay before I was at Baytree I was uh I did 15 years working in a very small charity um called FAD a youth charity um at our smallest we were two people at our biggest we were five people and we were working um to widen access to the fashion industry for young people so working with a lot of groups um, who are underrepresented and working together with the industry to get um, young people opportunities um, and get them into jobs. 
So um, I worked on that for 15 years and I came to came back to Baytree, I should say, um, in May of last year. So just about a year ago now. Oh, fab. And like I said, we work together. So I, I know what you do and, and kind of the, the incredible work you do to support the women. But I guess our listeners probably don't. So could you give us a little a little whistle stop yeah. tour around what your role is and, and how you're supporting these people? Well, um, my role is social mobility. First of all, I should say that in um, Baytree, we have a women's service and a girls service. And I work in the women's service um, with adults. Uh, we're a women and girls only centre. So I work with women. And my job role is social mobility coach, um, which probably doesn't make things much clearer. Um, but it's a very <laughs> wide reaching role. Um, I give one to one support to women who come to us. Um, it's about um, goal setting and helping them to achieve their objectives. A lot of the women who we work with are migrant women. So Baytree is open to all, um, but a lot of the women who come to us in Lambeth are um, migrant women. And I work particularly with women from the Latin American community and um, from the French speaking community as well. Others of my colleagues um, with different languages and different skills work with um, different groups of women. Um, so I have um, a caseload of about 25 women who I support one-to-one, who I have long-term relationships with, and we help out in five areas. So those are family, um, well-being, education, employment, and finance. So um, one thing I love about the role is that it's really wide ranging and none of those things exist in isolation. So it's really nice to be able to work together with women to problem solve and to um, really make a difference, a meaningful difference in their lives. Yeah. Yeah, that meaningful difference is is something. And, and you and I talk about this quite a lot with them. Um, when when we think oh wow are we really pushing forward are we really helping these women and and you're like yeah we're making a, a real difference um to their lives and, and to their future so yeah I think it's incredible the work that you do and I know there's lots of other um social mobility coaches that work at the Baytree in different kind of areas but yeah 25 women is a lot that's that's a lot and and there's five different pillars um and my experience since working with the Baytree, I think I've always known that there were challenges, especially for migrant women, um, especially for women perhaps that are fleeing domestic violence. Perhaps they have not been able to be financially independent before for various different reasons. Perhaps it's tradition or, or whatever else. But I, since I've worked at the Baytree, I've noticed how difficult it can be to balance all of those five areas for the women to be able to get employment and to be able to get a, a perhaps a home even you know a roof over the heads and you need this thing over here to get mm -hmm. this thing over here and then the policy is this and you can't get work if you haven't got this and it just it's it's a lot isn't it and it's something that yeah when you can help these women it is extremely meaningful and it can be such a tangle and I think um, as you say everything's interrelated and particularly with well-being I think women and mums in particular often put themselves last so it, it really is a, a a privilege to be able to to help women untangle some of this stuff and to set objectives and make priorities and 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 start yeah. making a difference 
Yeah, Tang- untangle. That's a really, really great way to describe it, I think, because it can feel exceptionally overwhelming for us to help the women. And I'm only I'm only supporting on an employment space and, and perhaps a bit of confidence that goes alongside that. So I can feel that. I can't even imagine what it must be like for some of these women whose first language isn't English. Even just the healthcare aspect a lot of the time is really challenging, trying to get the women a doctor and things like that. Okay, so I mean, listen, I'm I'm always really impressed with the work that you do. I think it's awe-inspiring that you go in day in, day out and keep doing this and keep supporting these women. I guess I'd like to hear from your point of view, what's been your biggest success or or perhaps your fondest memory of the work that you've been doing so far? I'm going to go for a route in between those things and talk about what I enjoy <laughs> most. <laughs> and maybe I'll yeah, yeah, in that way. But I think what makes what we do at Baytree unique is the long-term support and what I find what for me is the 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 cornerstone of of progress and success is being able to form one-to-one really human relationships with women there's lots of people in the sector who who offer good advice there's lots of places where you can drop into to get information and things but we're really about all oh, this sounds cheesy but going on a journey with women so you know traveling with women and working through things with them and it doesn't finish at the end of three months or a year there's there's women at Baytree who've been there a lot longer than I have and who will still be there um you know in a, in a few years time and that's a real joy I think that long-term relationship and I think the humanness of the relationship as well because it's quite wide um we get to know women really well and um that enables us to to support better as well so I enjoy so much the the relationships that I'm able to have and I really enjoy being able to have those relationships with people who I wouldn't meet otherwise and who I might not um meet in my in my day-to-day life so um that's really enriching for me yeah I disagree with the cheesy thing completely by the way I (laughs) I think that's I'm not ashamed (laughs) Own it, own the cheese. Um, no, I think that there's something really powerful in that that kind of that human aspect as well. And and I totally agree. I mean, I've only been working with the centre probably a couple of years, but you know, there's some real big successes. And when you see these women light up because and, and obviously I'm only working on the employment side, but when I can see them get an opportunity to train or study or or they feel like they're getting the support that they've been asking for, Mm -hmm. for, you know, lots of different places before they've come to the Bay Tree. I think it's a real positive thing, isn't it? I think it definitely kind of puts a a skip in my step when I leave the centre and I've spent time with someone and we've been able to help them. It does make you feel like it's not an impossible task. So yeah, no, not at all cheesy. I think that's fantastic. (laughs) I'm going to flip it on the other side and I'm going to ask you a question now about the biggest challenge when you're supporting the women. Now, I appreciate there's lots because I've been working with you for some time. I've seen the hostile kind of policies that our government has and and the way in which women are, are treated, especially if they're migrant women. But from your point of view, what do you think has been, say, the biggest challenge? I think the the um, biggest challenge is just the complexity of systems. You know, our welfare system is so complex. I, I, you know, I'm born and bred here. English is my first language. And I find some of it just impenetrable. 
for people with lower levels of literacy or for whom English isn't the first language, it's um it's really, really hard to understand and to and to navigate and we you know we there exists a role called benefits advisor so you have to have a professional person whose job it is to understand the system I mean something's something's wrong there things are difficult to access so um the pandemic's accelerated the moving of everything online and we're here chatting online which is lovely and in some ways it's really democratized things in other ways it's actually um created more barriers so if you don't have a computer at home if you don't have access to wi-fi if you're not computer literate or if you're not that literate at all it creates huge barriers even things like booking a GP appointment is near on impossible for a lot of our women making applications job applications um, making making applications for benefits it's all there on the computer and if if that is not easy for you to access you're you're shut out so um, I think digital literacy and digital access is a big barrier a big obstacle for a lot of people and I think we don't talk about that we we talk about it as this great enabler and and great democratization but it isn't always and you also lose that human contact which is so important yeah yeah you said that twice now haven't you about the human contact I think um we've experienced this with programs that we've run for the women and, and we've done a variety of them we're working on a new project right now it is that People really do enjoy coming in and spending time with the other women, realising they're not the only people in this position and realising that actually there are things in, in their way that are making it really difficult. But yeah, it's 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 just baffling. But you're so right, the benefits advisor. <laughs> so there's a there's a full time job. What's that? It's just madness. And I think that yeah. that that human element, I'm gonna keep saying it, human, 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 it's so important. Mm-hmm. And so many of our women at Baytree are really isolated. Um, we're here in the middle of this great teeming city, which is wonderful in lots of ways, but there's a lot of people within it who are very isolated um, from what's going on in it, who um, for financial reasons, for social reasons, for economic reasons, can't access what's all around them. So I think um, the pandemic has heightened that. So I think, as you say, the the human element for us is is really key. Mm, yeah yeah it's something that I talk a lot about to my clients in in anything we do really is to, let's remember you know D&I uh, might be kind of a buzz phrase but actually we're just talking about humans yes. <laughs> we're all trying to do our best we're all kind of um, trying to do our work and what have you I'd love to understand a little bit more about um, what you wish people knew about the type of work you did are there any kind of misconceptions about the type of work you do? Or is there something that you thought, do you know, I wish the public knew this about this type of work? I think what I wish people knew is how able and skilled and competent um, the women we work with are. going to start from the beginning that perhaps um, a lot of our women don't speak perfect English, but they might speak four other languages. And most of us in the UK don't speak many languages so um a lot of women so as I say a lot of the women we work with are migrant women um they're often doing quite menial and low-paid work in this country um it doesn't mean they haven't qualified in another country um as a nurse or as another kind of professional many of them are doing incredible work juggling um child care and working and caring responsibilities so many things and I think we don't always see that. It's finding out a little more, like going beyond the 
the stereotypes and the and the and the accents and the obvious and um digging a bit deeper yeah oh wow yeah I, I might steal that tagline for my um for my courses because you could say that with anything yeah. right um to do with the human aspect <laughs> it's it's really interesting because this is exactly the challenge that I've had with the employability work that I've been doing with the women, which you know because we speak pretty much every week. They, I've, I've obviously would never mention any names because uh, the women that we work with, some of them are in vulnerable positions. Mm. Um, but I've definitely worked with quite a few women now who are extremely charismatic. Um, their English is very good. They, like you said, they've been juggling childcare and work really well. They've been kind of pushing forward, even though they've had these barriers put up against them. And they're super capable in lots of different ways. I've had people that were teachers in in their previous countries. I've had people that were data analysts. I've had nurses, all sorts of really fantastic kind of careers. Yet we really struggle to get their foot through the door. And it's because of that lack of experience within the UK or perhaps the certificate doesn't kind of transfer over to this mm. side over here. And, and of course, I appreciate that the employment space is just so jam packed anyway. And this is why we spend a lot of time with the women with their CVs and, and helping them to know where to look for work and how to adapt their CVs according to the jobs and things like that. But it definitely is a real slog. And and there was one woman in particular that I was helping to to find some work in particular. Again, no, no kind of need for detail. And the hoops that I had to jump through to help this person to get the work, I I if that was me, I would have given up. But because I was doing it on behalf of that person, and and take away the fact that English is my first language, so I can read all of the forms they need us to fill in. I can chase them asking exactly what do they mean by this reference and what do they mean by this thing. And it took us, I think, nine months to get this person some work. And it was actually just um, temporary work because actually I thought if they could meet this person, this person could do this incredible work, that's going to talk for itself. We just need to kind of get that foot in the door. But nine months it took I mean, us. I, I think we're talking about the same person. We're talking about some work in the in the health service, and this is someone yeah. who would be a joy to see at the end of your bed. Like if I was sick and she appeared, I'd be feeling better. I mean, she makes me feel better when I, every time I see her. And as you say, we we we're here. There's, we have a crisis, so we're we're lacking workers. There's all these positions unfilled. What what's the gap here? And then you've got someone who's really capable, really competent, a joy to be around, who's desperate to work, and you're making it really hard. I feel the same. I'm helping someone. Um, was helping someone today do an application for a. She wants to do some work during school time. She's got young children, and um, she was applying to be a lunchtime supervisor. She's so well qualified. She's done years of work in care. She's food hygiene qualified. She's got all the all the skills, brilliant person to have around, um, downloaded one application form, 14 pages, 14 pages of application form to be a lunchtime supervisor a couple of days a week at, at a school. And even I, I, I can do it. I didn't have enough time to do it today and I'll help her to do it another day. But really, really? Yeah, it's funny. We're going to we're going to be talking to a really amazing, um, inclusive recruitment company uh, uh, on one of our podcasts. And yeah, that's something that they're battling as well. I mean, they're in the creative industry. They're, they're kind of more towards the more senior end. 
but I think it's it's really interesting because it's it's such a barrier not not just to the women of course of the Baytree Centre but to to everyone. Recruitment processes are so old school. There's just no need for them to be like that. You're also not making space for people that are perhaps neurodiverse. You're not making space for people that have kind of different needs. And it's it is just baffling how it's so far behind all of the other kind of human resource aspects. Uh, recruitment is the single biggest barrier to why diversity is not happening in these it's, industries. It's not necessary. And I'm I'm going to dispute with you that it's old school, Zoe, because I think old school practices were a bit more human. Um, I think there was a bit more politeness, I'm going to say, um, you know, responses, letters, um, perhaps I'm thinking nostalgically. <laughs> But I'm 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 thinking about people investing hours of time in applications and then not even getting a response. And coming back to the human level, that's hugely dis- de- demotivating, but also really disrespectful of people's time and energy and skills. So yeah, I think I think you're really right. There's a dinosaur in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe old school wasn't the right word. I agree with you. Actually, I think. maybe there were less people on the job market at this point I'm not too sure what it was but yeah there definitely used to be more contact from recruiters but you're right about the demotivating aspect as well I've been there I've seen the women's shoulders drop when they just don't hear anything back from the 30 applications Mm. that we've spent hours and hours working on and we've adapted the CV and the cover letter and we've done this and we've chased it up you know we've done all of the things that you're supposed to do to get noticed Okay, yeah, I think we've probably both agreed <laughs> that recruitment is extremely painful for the most part for most of mm-hmm. us. And and this is in our first language and we're very clearly born in the UK and we might have kind of British sounding names, which already takes mm-hmm. away quite a few barriers for us. Add to that all of the other layers of complexity. But yeah, it's interesting because schools and 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 kind of healthcare, in my experience so far, have been two of the most difficult with regards to how antiquated the recruitment processes are and just getting lost in the word (laughs) antiquated okay so that maybe I can do a voiceover and pop that back in before rather than old school because that's I think that's a little bit more more right for what I was thinking there what do you think are some common misconceptions that people make about the women that we work with I think I think I think misconceptions, I think a big one for our women is language. So if you're a native English speaker of of, of speaking the world's language, and um, I love languages and I love the English language, but I think we need to take a step back and realise how privileged we are and how little effort we make to communicate with the rest of the world. Everybody else is doing all the work here. And when our women, as I say, they might be speaking their third or fourth or even fifth language, and maybe they are speaking with an accent. Um, maybe the words come out the wrong way round. But they've made an enormous uh, leap. You know, learning a language in midlife is not easy. And just because somebody's speaking with an accent doesn't mean they don't have skills. Doesn't mean they don't have personality. Doesn't mean they don't have a lot to say. So I think language is a big barrier. Um, for our women and it's something that causes a lot of prejudice and stereotypes as well you spoke about names so in 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 recruitment and in other things I think um, having a name that sounds like a non-native name can be an obstacle sadly in 2022 here we are and I think 
I think in all the systems we look at in the in the housing system, in the welfare system, in the employment system, again, here we are in 2022 and women, 50% of the population are at a massive disadvantage. There's really systemic disadvantage here and it needs to be addressed. We're here in a developed country where we don't where we don't have access to affordable childcare and that's a huge barrier for our women. If if you've got nowhere to safely um look after your children, how can you how can you work? How can you fulfill your other obligations? No, I'm I'm just really listening because I'm just thinking about that and, and it's actually 51% by the way women make up 51% of the population in the UK I mean it, you know we're, we're pretty we're pretty standard to be around <laughs> half of us are, are women so I do think the systematic challenges with that and you know we're saying childcare and people could be like oh well there are fathers out there that are looking after children like, absolutely there are but what happens is there's a gender kind of norm, which is that the mum is the person that stays home and, and nurtures the children and kind of raises them. And um, even if you're not in too traditional a setting, that's kind of the assumption. We had a panel um, a couple of weeks ago and one of the panellists, uh, Grace, was talking about actually the sort of things that she gets asked in interviews. And, and she's, again, very senior. She's, she's an entrepreneur. She's doing some really great things. But she's constantly asked about, oh, well, will you be able to... Go, go on travels and, and stay overnight and do those sorts of things because you have a daughter. Um, and she said, I'm pretty sure the father doesn't get asked that mm-hmm. question. So I think it's just really interesting that that childcare aspect is is so rife. And yeah, and it's still very much down to the women to be able to to kind of bear the brunt of that. But not even just childcare as well. We're also talking about any care. Yeah, as a general rule, it tends to be the women. And until that changes... There has to be systems and processes in place to support these people, the, the women, to be able to go to work and to be able to study and, and to have that extra dimension to themselves that gives them an additional purpose in life and and helps them to feel like they're succeeding in, in different ways. And um, I must say a lot of the women um, who I coach are single mums, so a very high percentage, I'd go with something like 85%. Let's give these women a medal. They're 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 caring for their children. They're um, providing economically for their children. Do everything really well to bring up their children really well. Their kids are not out on the street. They're working so hard to do to do well by their children and to provide for them. And um, we sh- we as a society we should be giving them medals, not um, not making it difficult for them. Yeah, not adding more mm-hmm. barriers. Yeah, absolutely. And let's be honest as well. I'd say almost all of these women, if not all of them, they didn't choose to be a single mother. Um, so actually, they've they've tried to make do with everything that they've got. But yeah, it's it's so it's yeah it's fascinating. I think again we could talk about yeah. that all day as well. <laughs> now, I've mentioned the work that you and I do around the employability, and I've mentioned that it can be really challenging because there's lots of mm-hmm. red tape. There's kind of hostile government policies um, and, and also employers can be really narrow minded in some respects. Um, they're kind of always looking for real extensive experience a lot of the time, rather than looking at transferable skills or that kind of potential that a lot of these women have that we can see. As you know, and, and we've had conversations about this before, it can feel really exhausting and demotivating for us. 
when this is happening because we're just trying to push forward and trying to really help these women I guess what would be really helpful for other people doing similar types of work or or considering getting involved in this what do you do to keep yourself motivated to kind of continue this amazing work that you're doing for the women uh, and for the community I think it's it's gonna I'm I sound like a bit of a stuck record it keeps coming back to the same thing it's the the human interaction and um having relationships um with my coaches it brings me so much joy and you know we laugh a lot like there's some crying as well but we do laugh as well and it's it's um so fulfilling um to be able to have those relationships to be able to share experiences to find what you have in common as well as to find the things that you really disagree about um that's really really motivating for me um and I also work with a really great team of um really skilled and interesting and experienced um women um which is really motivating for me too yeah and I'm also going to give a little shout out to Brixton um which I love like I love every time I come out of Brixton station it never gets old like the the life of the place and um although it's changed a lot in the last few years it's changed in the 15 or 20 years um since I've known it a lot um it's still itself and um it's got its culture it's got its style and um yeah I love it I love Brixton yeah I'm so with you there I get so much energy (laughs) Uh, every time I kind of go into the centre and stuff like that. But yeah, I think also, you know, the type of people that it's bringing into the centre as well are so varied. They're so, so different. Um, And I would add to your motivation, kind of the things that keep me going, apart from our relationship, where we can lean on each other when it's a little bit difficult, um, is the fact that the women are just so brilliant they just keep coming back and they just come with such desire to want to kind of improve their lives and like you said for their children Mm. more than anything they want to make sure that their children have better opportunities than they've had access to Um, and that really drives me and there's just some real every little tiny win that you get whether it's an employer coming back to you or or you finally got them an interview and you can do some interview practice with them you know it's those sorts of things that just drive me and I was I was saying to somebody the other day that I just skip when I leave <laughs> the Bay Tree Centre it doesn't matter what's happened that day I skip because you just get so much from the women which is why that kind of motivates me to mm. keep trying mm. keep mm. giving back even with all of this kind of red tape and and these barriers and stuff but yeah. yeah, I mean, that kind of answers my next question, I guess, which is around what brings you joy in your day to day work? Is there anything you would add to that? I think it's that. And I think it's um, just the, the 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 community of it. And we've got women from, you know, 18 to uh, I'm not going to say an upper age, but, you know, spanning the whole age range, spanning the planet and the languages the 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 music the food like we do benefit from some really good food <laughs> women cook like the empanadas the samosas ladies thank you like what an amazing um privilege to to um be involved in this community um and with it being a women only space i think that does give 
give all of us it's a safe space and it's a safe place I think where people feel able to express themselves and be themselves and um yeah there's a lot of there's laughing there's singing there's zumba there's like <laughs> there's everything yeah. so um that brings me a lot of joy yeah I've got a massive smile on my face now because I'm just thinking about all of those things and I'm thinking about how (laughs) I do love Zumba Um, I'm just reminded of how lively the place is and I've got a few women in my head right Mm. now that I'm thinking of that just bring they just bounce into the center Mm. and they give so much of that energy to some of the other women that perhaps new to it all perhaps they're a bit intimidated and they don't really know kind of what their what their next steps are um but yeah and I think as well like for what for me one of the things that really brings me a bit joy when I come in is is when one of the women brings some someone new in Mm. like a new woman um and they recommend them and say oh so and so helped me with this and so and so and then you know you've got the opportunity to help another person which is is just such a lovely feeling and I think the relationships that form um I'm thinking of two women who were like such close friends one was a Spanish speaker and one was a Cantonese speaker and they had a little bit of English but not much honestly in common and they had this brilliant relationship based on uh again coming back to being human you know body language and gestures and and whatsapps translated on google translate and um (laughs) you know where else does that relationship happen um that's Mm. a really special thing um that happens in Baytree and and probably doesn't happen out out in the big world so um yeah oh I love that yeah there's a real um a real sense of support between the Mm. women not just from obviously yourself and and volunteers like me but actually between the the community of women that come in there yeah you can see the friendships forming in the groups it's lovely there's some pretty wild whatsapp groups (laughs) yeah I'm glad I'm not on those. Yeah. I don't think I'll get any work done. Um, so I think I'd love to know a little bit of um, advice from you now, because if people are listening to this, they might be thinking, oh, well, this is helpful. It's it's interesting to learn a little bit more. But I guess what practical piece of advice could you give someone who's kind of mm-hmm. listening now and wanting to know how to get involved, whether it's with the Baytree or whether it's with a local woman's mm-hmm. centre um, in their local community? Well, I think if you're um, local to South London, come and volunteer with us um, if you can, and or volunteer um, in your local centre or charity. I think what is really helpful for us um, as charities, we're often really overrun. And um, what's really helpful for for us is if you email us saying, um, hello, um, this is my name, this is what I do, and I could offer you this, this is what I could do for you. So make it um hand it to us on a plate please because sometimes sometimes you know things get busy and um it's really helpful um for people to be really really clear with with what their skills and experience are and um what they can offer so volunteering is great if you have time um if that's something you're up for we've had people for example where you volunteer your 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 hr skills and your employment skills we have people volunteering um going to come back to the zumba so zumba dance yoga um you know art craft um 
floristry, all kinds of different things, or just um, time, things like uh, reading support, English support, um, lots of different things. Um, I think um, in a more general sense, I think it's coming back to this idea of um, listening and having your eyes open. Um, you know, lis listen to, to those around you, maybe not the ones in your immediate social bubble, but, you know, people you you meet. Um, I think of our women sometimes, off, many of them do really early morning cleaning jobs. They're up at 3 a.m. and they're coming home at 8 o'clock. Um, or offer one of them a seat on the tube, people. <laughs> um, just say hello, make some eye contact, be friendly. Um, just widen, widen your observations a bit of the people around you, um, who they are. And um, I'm very pro languages, so um, learn a bit of French or Spanish or be a bit wild and learn some Quechua or some Amharic or um, some community languages, just a little bit. Learn how to say hello, um, how are you? Um, Use it when you can. We've got no excuse now. We've got Duolingo. We've got um, we've got YouTube. We've got Google Translate. So um, I think it's about listening and 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 seeing who's around you and and making an effort to engage, getting a little bit out of your comfort zone because we don't all have time for volunteering. Um, it's great if you do. Um. Also, you know, if you do have some spare cash, um, if you're a funder, <laughs> please give some. Charities are struggling at the moment, so give from your bounty, not from your reserves, but um, money doesn't go astray <laughs> either. Yeah, especially since COVID as well. Oh. Um, I think charities have taken such a massive mm -hmm. hit mm -hmm. on the fundings. Um, so, yeah, I think um, I love that. And, and it comes back to that human thing again. That's like tagline for this podcast. There's something about lifting our heads up when we're walking down the street and engaging mm -hmm. with people, especially people that are perhaps from a different kind of background or culture to us and just smiling. And it's it's funny, I'm from the Midlands originally, um, and I'm actually I'm I'm up here in the Midlands at the moment, and it's so funny how quickly you forget that people talk to each other here. So I was walking down a very quiet little street, and and uh, there were some kind of elderly people walking towards me, and we were all like, "Good morning, good morning, good morning," kind of thing. And I think we lose that a little bit in London for for various reasons. But yeah, lifting your head up and and like you say, learning something from somebody else's culture, whether it's a little piece of their language or whatever it might be to engage with with those kind of people mm. but yeah love that and I, I think um just talking from a London perspective um and I know we're not the center of the universe but you know we're here in the middle of London we like to think we are <laughs> we like to think we are but we know the rest of you are there um we do become very cut off because it's there's such a lot of hustle and it's so hard a lot of the time I think things like think about you know being on the tube you're packed in like sardines in a lot of those situations we do retreat into ourselves because we're protecting ourselves because it's really it's really it can be quite a harsh environment sometimes so we do retreat in and we put our headphones on and we 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 disappear inside our minds or our books or our newspapers but um as you say um look up sometimes I think that look up look up um 
I've got a, we've my daughter's got a children's book called Look Up. It's about um, asteroids and looking to the stars. And I think it's a bit of that: look up and see what's around you, and um, and engage because there's so much richness there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what about um, kind of advice you would give to perhaps businesses that are looking to support this type of work, maybe within their CSR? kind of practices maybe they're thinking actually they need to be a little bit more kind of closely knitted to their community what kind of advice would you give to those businesses I think reach out um reach out um really think about what you're asking in terms of recruitment and reach out to organizations or people that you know to get advice about how you can make your recruitment more inclusive, how you can make your working practices inclusive and accessible. And think about what these really skilled and able people can bring to your business. And I think it's such a good opportunity for bridging gaps in our society. We were talking about Brixton earlier and the changes in Brixton, we've got lots of new businesses, lots of new people coming in, and there can often be quite a a divide between um, them and us, people who've been here for ages and new people coming in. But think about how, how you engage with the community around you and how you become a part of it and how you give back and form a, a, a symbiotic relationship. And talk 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 to people, ask listen again and do things differently don't be afraid to do things a bit differently and to try it out so things like offering some a work shadowing day or coming in to do a talk about your business or coming coming to a center like Baytree to demonstrate something or to meet people or to share a skill all of those things would be really valuable yeah I love that share a skill I think, um, yeah, a lot of the women that we work with, a lot of it is down to confidence as well. So if they could, you know, have that exposure to to people running businesses in different industries and stuff like that, if people that were running these businesses were trying to find ways to be closely knitted to their community, those are really great ways to help build the confidence of the women um, so they are more confident to apply for jobs in the first place as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's great that these women have got our support, but there's a lot more women out there um, that are perhaps from migrant backgrounds. Perhaps they've come from quite a vulnerable space, and actually they don't have the confidence to apply for any of these jobs. And and what we've seen, unfortunately, is that some of the women, and I'm sure our listeners will understand this as well. Um, some of the women around the UK and of course in different parts of the world they're having to take on real questionable employment where they haven't got a contract Mm -hmm. sometimes they don't get paid for the work it can be in potentially um, physically dangerous situations it's completely unreasonable and extremely kind of demanding on on the kind of mental and physical health and they still get no guarantee at the end of it that they'll be treated well and, and actually get paid for the work that they do. And, and we definitely see that sometimes mm. when the women come in. I've definitely helped to kind of educate some of the women um, that I've worked with to say to them, no, this is this is not the way it's done. And we have very strict employment laws in the UK. So let's move you. If, if you enjoy doing this type of work, let's move you at least 
into employment where you will be looked after and you you will be safe and you will be paid <laughs> for the work that you do. So I know that that's a real big issue as well. So I think that businesses also have a responsibility with that to make sure that there is no wrongdoing mm. in any of their maybe uh, associate businesses, perhaps some of those smaller organizations that they might partner with around that sort of thing. And also that supplier chain as well. Yeah, it's something I work with organizations on a lot. And I, th- I think we, I think in business these days, it's really, um, it's a great USP, isn't it? To be ethical on a big scale, to source things ethically and to have ethical production and use sustainable materials and all those things are really good. I I'm I'm very pro all of those things but let's also be ethical on a small scale like let's treat our employees well let's be open in our recruitment um let's be open to new types of people working for us and and put in some some training or or work experience to give them the skills and experience they need so while the big scale ethical practice is very welcome, let's let's have some small scale human <laughs> coming back to human, but human level ethical practice too, and that can be really small, just in how you how you how you speak to your staff, how you um, communicate with them, and going go, going on from there. No, I, I well, listen, I you know I one hundred percent agree with you because of the work. <laughs> not because we're biased, right no, but because we've seen it. we've seen it we've experienced it you've seen it on a much kind of more permanent longer term level than I have but yeah certainly it's something that we see in our day-to-day kind of practices I think there's also another kind of takeaway for businesses and this is something that that really frustrates me with the way that employers do this stop constantly looking for experience don't look for the exact experience of the job that you're recruiting for because what you're missing out on there is potential and you're missing out on those kind of transferable skills the other thing to think about as well if you want to hire someone that is exceptionally loyal and is going to do a really good job and wants to really kind of push themselves to do the best they can do you're less likely to get that from someone that's done the job before. They're not going to be as engaged with it. You want to bring someone in that's going to learn Mm. it. Um, And I think that's why your suggestion there of the work experience or the shadowing is great Mm. because it gives the women access to the experience, but also allows the employers to see, oh, okay, that person didn't have the experience, but they're fantastic. Actually, I really want to keep them on. I think there's just so much untapped talent out there. And if recruiters keep thinking this way, they're going to miss out on all of these fantastic women. And 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 recruit for attributes. Don't recruit for little itty bitty specific experiences that aren't really necessary. One of my women um, who is brilliant, um, she's a very, very elegant, stylish lady. And she wanted to work in, in retail in a fashion store. And we were looking together an advert for it was a minimum wage retail assistant job in a well-known fashion chain which we won't name and the amount (laughs) of skills and experience they were it sounded like you needed to be like a business ceo like full dragon's den like what they were asking for and then they're paying you the minimum wage and treating you really badly it's not necessary you know as you say recruit for attributes recruit for people who have potential and 
you know, proven ability to 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 work hard, to learn new things, um, to use their initiative, to work in a team. What what you want is loyal, able, hardworking, capable people with potential. Yeah, humans. Humans, yeah. <laughs> That's what we'll rename this podcast. Come to Brighton Centre, it's full of humans. There's so many humans, so many. Um, Yeah, I think just to kind of round that off, I think there is something there as well. I guarantee, obviously, we're not going to name the name, not here Mm -hmm. anyway, we can maybe chat about it afterwards, uh, of that particular retailer. But I can guarantee if we went into their stores, we wouldn't be seeing all of those attributes (laughs) that are on that job description because it's a ridiculous ask. You're asking for everybody to be exactly the same. And that is, as we know, the reason that businesses fail. Right. Lots to kind of think about there. Lots to take away. And I'm really hoping that our listeners have taken something really fantastic away from that. But Yeah, thank you so much, Joanne. Obviously, I could talk to you for a million years um, and we've got lots of kind of really cool projects that we're working on that we can continue to talk about these sorts of things. But for anyone that's listening, if you are interested in getting involved with anything that the Bay Tree do or um, something in your local community, if you're not in the Lambeth area, then please go and look. And like Joanne said, these charities are extremely under-resourced. So if you don't get a response from your first email, chase it up you know, because you you really need to support and and kind of help with that. Uh, And yeah, do what you can. Try to give an hour every week or two. You know, it's not too much to ask and and you wouldn't believe the benefits that you personally will get out of this Mm -hmm. by helping and supporting local kind of community charities like the Bay Tree and the amazing work that they do. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for having me, Zoe. And thank you so much for all the the incredible work you do for women at Baytree Centre and all the support you give to them and to me as well. Um, It's really um, very much appreciated. Um, We're very grateful for everything you do for us. So thank you. Oh, thank you very much. You too, of course. (laughs) Thanks, Joanne. Speak to you soon. Okay, Zoe. Bye-bye. Bye. What an amazing guest. I'm hoping you have taken away as much as I have from that conversation there. Uh, Joanne does some really fantastic work and I think it's great we've been able to give the platform to her to share some of that work. There were definitely some fantastic suggestions that I think all of us could take away from that, not just individually, but of course as organisations as well. So if we have HR leaders and MDs and CEOs listening to this podcast, reach out and see what you can do to support your local community. So that's it for our second podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening. If you're interested in having conversations like this in your organisation, then we're happy to come in and support those and facilitate those conversations through DNI Learning. We are Zing Learning. You have been our listeners. We can't wait to see you again on the next one.